0: I would always like to place ads myself before I had my sales staff do it because I wanted to hear what people said. I need to hear what the tenants say or the possible tenants say coming in because I can tell a lot by a phone call. And once you have, say, three phone calls and they tell you, hey, that's just too high or whatever, well, you need to adjust. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is.
1: Hello, and welcome back to the Get Real podcast. I am on location again. So much traveling. I tell my friends that I don't travel very often until I realize that I do. So I am in Kansas City, Missouri today, and I am meeting with one of our favorite sellers. His name is Quentin Kearney. I say your last name right, right? right. Okay, I'm like, I never say your last name to you ever. So good thing I got that right. And we worked together for a really long time, despite the fact that I don't know how to say your last name for sure. So we worked together for over a decade. So love, love the Kansas City market. And one cool thing about the Kansas City market that you may or may not know is the stability of this market. Because in the last cycle in real estate, 2008, 9, 10, We never stop selling property in Kansas City, which is unique to only Kansas City. Of all the locations where we sell properties, Kansas City is the longest. It does not hurt that Ron is born and raised in Kansas City. So he knows Kansas City really well, but still super stable. And we're going to talk a little bit about why Kansas City and some opportunities that we're seeing, that I'm seeing, especially as I'm here today. So Quentin, tell us a little bit about your background in real estate.
0: So right when I got started in real estate, I just graduated college and I took the LSAT to go to law school and I got accepted. And I didn't get accepted till the fall and it was in November. And my mom was like, why don't you try doing something like maybe getting your real estate license before you start law school? I didn't
1: know this. Yeah.
0: Huh. <laughs> so I went and got my real estate license in the first, gosh, I want to say in the first 60 days, I sold a three and a half million dollar project. I was on both sides. Of and
1: that it. was a while ago.
0: Yeah, uh, it would have been in 2004.
1: Wow. And uh,
0: so I was on both sides of it. And that us say, I did really well. And <laughs> I, looked at, I looked at my commission check and thought, oh my gosh, like I couldn't make this much money in mm-hmm. two or three years as an attorney just starting out. So about that point, I was like, uh, done with law school, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do real estate. And then that blossomed into really just Investment real estate. Tried to you know go sell houses for my mom because my mom was my broker, and I would try to go sell houses, but it wasn't a good fit because right away I'd go show a house, and like the wife would say, like, "Oh, I don't like the color, of this uh, the flooring," and I'm like, "Well, just change it." It was more of an emotional thing, whereas for me, I looked at real estate as an investment vehicle. And that's how I got into buying duplexes. And then from there, I was buying fourplexes and remodeling. And a friend of mine showed me how to take this one floor plan in a duplex and take it from a two bedroom to a three bedroom with an extra bathroom. And at the time, uh, I was section eight. The two bedroom, one bath got 631 a month, but the three bedroom, two bath got 981 oh, And wow. so I would go out and buy these duplexes based on the two bedroom rent. And then I'd turn around, add the bedroom and the bathroom, and then get it up 30% on the rent. And then you get the multiplier wow. on a sale. Wow. So that was by like year two in real estate. And then pretty quick after that, I was just doing investments. Huh. That's all I wanted to do.
1: Well, I just want to know what are the pros in working with investors from your perspective? Because I think that's something that people don't always think about. They think of the investor side and not necessarily the builder or the seller side. So... In working with investors, you already said like, they're not as finicky, right? Like the paint color. I'm totally with you, by the way. I've helped mostly family, a few friends in purchasing their primary residence. And I'm like, yeah, there's a reason why I stay in my lane (laughs) and do my version of real estate. But as far as your perspective from like growth and potential things like that, why work with investors?
0: I like working with investors and especially investors that come through RPC because they seem to have a baseline of knowledge already and they're being kind of schooled and, hey, what should I expect? Hmm. And some of them that come through are very seasoned investors. Some of them I've been very, very surprised at how much they know. And sometimes they're just as experienced as I am. But I like to be able to work with people that it's not an emotional thing. It's, hey, do the numbers make sense? Do they not make sense? Yeah. And if it isn't the numbers, what makes the purchase or sale a good idea? Is it an appreciation thing? Is it, hey, it may not make sense today, but tomorrow after this whole master plan community goes in, you're going to see your rents probably quadruple or whatever. I like that sort of reasoning with people. I like to be able to work with people that can see that, have that foresight of what we need to do to really build your asset. That's my main goal in being in real estate is I like to build wealth and I like to build income streams. And I can't think of another investment vehicle that you can do these sort of things with yeah
1: you know one thing i know about you and having worked together for a while even though we've only seen each other face to face only like what twice yeah twice (laughs) yeah (laughs) that one thing i've noticed is that when you get a deal to happen and it doesn't necessarily mean buying or even selling but when you see and catch that vision man you get pumped i love that about you <laughs> that it makes it really fun it's exciting kind of like that section eight example you gave you see and have this vision of how it can do better
0: that i love it <laughs> and so even if i'm not the one buying it maybe if i'm even bringing it to you guys because i'm like i love seeing a deal happen if i can bring you a deal that i know it's going to be good for you and your investors It makes me feel good. That's what I live for. I mean, that's what I want to do. Yeah. (laughs) Because the better deal I bring you, the more solid your base and clients are. So I want to bring you good stuff. I think that's one reason why we've worked together since 09 is because I try to bring you guys solid stuff. And if there's hiccups in the road, I want you to call me. I want to try to fix it. I want to try to make things happen because I know that's a big thing for you and your clients that, hey, it's not just a guy that's going to do a sale and tomorrow he's down the road. Mm -hmm. I hear from People that I hear from them all the time and I'm available to help. I don't want to think I'm a sales guy and down the road because I'm not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's awesome. I don't know how many dozens of calls we've had together where it hasn't penciled, right? That we'll go through a deal. You'll have spent a lot of time and we'll go through the numbers together. And then we're like, yeah this just doesn't pencil. And then you're like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You move on faster than I do. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. I'm over here, like still emotionally attached to the idea. And what I stayed at a friend's house here in Kansas city area last night, and I was telling her about you. And I said, man, I bet of all the deals we look at together, it's like maybe 30 or 40%. Yeah.
0: Would you say? Maybe even less. I probably looked Almost every day, something comes across my desk, or somebody calls with something, and I can tell pretty quick if it's going to work or not. From many different app, like there's a lot of different ways an investment might work or might not work. I can usually look at it and say, yeah, it might work this way, or it might not work this way. And sometimes it's just, you know, and I'd like to say that I'm good at proofing that, and a deal doesn't get by me that could be good, and I'm sure that they do. But yeah, I look at a lot of deals, a
1: lot, <laughs> yeah. probably more than anyone else I talk to, yeah. like so many opportunities and i think that's probably that vision and honestly like a gift that you have in looking at a piece of dirt and saying oh like (laughs) i can see i can see what is possible here and options and opportunities which is pretty fun fun to i guess watch as a bystander i run the numbers but the vision that you have is awesome so in our travels around the area today We stopped and looked at a particular development of duplexes. It's in Tiffany.
0: Yeah, Villa's at Tiffany.
1: Villa's at Tiffany. (laughs) Yeah, tell us about it.
0: So it's a subdivision inside of a master plan community called Genesis Estates. 79 duplexes are total to go into this Mm -hmm. area. First phase is 26 duplexes. It's in a really fast growing area of Kansas City. And I think I shared with you when I first started looking at this project, there was just a bean field on the way up there. And then within eight weeks, a quick trip, which if, if you don't know, it's just a really high end gas station in Kansas City. It's all corporate owned and they're just awesome gas stations. <laughs> Going at a gas station really isn't like the right thing. It's I don't know what you call it, but they're really, really nice. Huh. And one went up in the eight weeks. I was looking at this project right on the way to it. And then a friend of mine that owns a bank was telling me that there's somebody applied for a loan for the land across the street from these duplexes and that they're going to be putting in high-end single-family homes. I shouldn't say high, high-end, but more like, not like, starter, yeah, but not like, a starter. A, yeah, because yeah. like in different areas of Kansas City, single-family homes vary from like a starter in say South KC might be around 300 and a starter in North Kansas City might be four to 600. That I think will be somewhere between 600 and 800,000 on those homes. Mm-hmm. And so, after hearing that from my friend that owns the bank and then watching this Quick Trip go up, I thought, okay, there's a lot of growth coming. Quick Trip, their research center is like uh, very, very good. Mm -hmm. They know where growth is going, they know where to place these gas stations or, you know, convenience centers or stores. And so, when I saw that, and then also like my friend that's putting in that other development, I'm thinking, I need to get Mm -hmm. this. This would be good for everybody. And so then took eight weeks and negotiated the contract to try to get everybody to be able to buy them.
1: I think one of the highlights for me today was you had picked me up at the airport for short in the story. And when we pulled up the map, you said, oh. It's like 10 minutes from here, yeah. from the airport, which was super exciting. And I mean, what it looked like to me, like a main freeway is. to yeah. get up to it. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool location. And then a lot of retail and development, commercial development type of stuff that's been going in yep. pretty close by, right?
0: Really within one block of this location. If you head to the west from these duplexes, you'll literally be driving through a bean field and then you're at two huge developments single family developments, and then also a elementary school. And then after that block, then you come to like JC Penney's Home Depot, Lowe's, I mean, a massive commercial development. And then across the street from that are bean fields, Hmm. which very soon will, I'm sure will all be developed. This area is moving at one of the quickest paces I've ever seen in Hmm. the Kansas City market. That's for sure. It's building out quick.
1: Wow. That's exciting. So who's going to want to live in this location?
0: You're gonna see a lot of executives that travel that will probably rent there. Also, most of these properties, they don't have steps, so you're gonna have older clientele. The properties are maintenance-free exteriors and all, you know, so the lawns will be mowed, exteriors will be kept up. So you might have some older people. I'm hoping definitely for that, because they're great tenants. I love older tenants. But you're also going to have a lot of people that travel a lot for work or are just busy at work, maybe at, say, Ford or the Claycomo plant or Harley-Davidson or upper level management somewhere. And they just need a place to rest their head at night. But they don't necessarily want to have a huge house or anything like that. They Mm. just want a place that they don't have to mow the lawn because they're busy at work. They don't need extra work.
1: Hmm. Because how far away are those plants? I didn't even look that up.
0: They're really within 10, 15 minutes. This is a really good centralized location.
1: Okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the rents. So one thing about you that most people don't know is that you have a background in property management that's pretty extensive yeah. and you understand rents. It's kind of a cool situation for us because you have a good knowledge base on what things will rent for the demand for rentals because you've owned a management company before. So talk a little bit about how you figure the rents will be in that location.
0: So one thing that I do is I'll drive all the neighboring communities to see if I can find any for rent signs. And I did that on these. And although they are rentals, I can't find anything for rent. So then I dropped back and looked at historical ads to see what I could find out there And I'm seeing properties like older single family homes around 1800 to 2200. They're probably 2030 year old homes, and that would be south of 152. And then there's some to the west of this location that we're running right at $2,800. And so when I look at these locations, what they are, the finish levels, I'm thinking, I think I can probably definitely get between 32 and 3400. It's always hard to know 100% until I place some ads. And so that was When I had the property management company for a decade, I would always like to place ads myself before I had my sales staff do it because I wanted to hear what people said. I need to hear what the tenants say or the possible tenants say coming in because I can tell a lot by a phone call. And once you have, say, three phone calls and they tell you, hey, that's just too high or whatever, well, you need to adjust. But I would do that because sometimes I usually like to start low and then just see my feedback on people. And from the conversation, and usually I can drive the rents up as high as I possibly can get them just by having those calls. And just from having that background of 10 years of conversations, because at one point in time, we had a little over 2000 properties that we were managing. And so I've had a lot of phone calls with people over rent. And so I can just hear in their voice what I'm going to be able to get, and what I'm not going to be able to get. And my goal for the investors and for us is to get every dollar I can out yeah. of it.
1: Well, I think that's pretty unique to you also, for most of our sellers, if not all if I have to think about it, that you know how to vet and place tenants in your own properties. And most of our sellers, we have them work with a property manager because they aren't trained in how to do that. I guess what criteria do you have, when you meet with someone a potential tenant, and they're filling out an application? What are you checking for?
0: What I'm looking for is I'm looking for a 600 credit score or higher, but more than that, I want to see their trade lines. I want to see how many trade lines they have and how many are positive versus negative. That's a good indicator. Is that like credit cards? What is that? Mm, like credit cards, small loans, car oh, loans. Oh, okay. Anything. <laughs> I that, don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> anything that they would have a loan on okay. or money out, that is really important to me. And then also I like to pass landlord verification and not the one that they're leaving. I want to see two back because mm-hmm. the one that they're leaving Sometimes if they want them out, they're going to give a glowing reference, right? So you really want the one prior to that and the one prior to that. Those Mm -hmm. are the two before really what I want to see and talk to. Outside of that, I don't like evictions, at least in like the last five years. And typically, I just don't want them at all. If someone has a good reason and it's 10 years ago, I'll listen to it. Yeah. But if it's recent, I just don't want to hear it. Typically they haven't learned their lesson yet and I just don't want to know. I don't really care. I just, I'm going to move on to somebody else. And then also three times the rental rate in income. So Mm -hmm. the rent's thousand dollars. I want to see $3,000 in income or more. Mm -hmm. And it has to be verifiable because I know sometimes you run into people and they're like, well, you know, I do this and that for cash. It has to be verifiable because when I was younger and I had my own rentals, I might believe some of those things. 9 times out of 10 they would be a problem and so it just has to be verified.
1: That's great. I think that's helpful for people to understand, you know, with purchasing property here in Kansas City that you're involved in, oftentimes you're placing the tenants yeah. and checking all of that background. So having worked together for so many years, Quintin, mm-hmm. I know real estate, it feels like you have this natural talent for it. Mm -hmm. Here I am complimenting, I guess, but (laughs) we're going with it. But you have a natural talent for putting people together. Uh I mean, I've already seen that being here. I mentioned, oh, we're looking for a lender in the Carolinas. You're like, let me call my buddy, you know, like (laughs) finding a way to bring people together. But any other reason... Like why you still do this? Do you still have to be involved in the real estate game?
0: So when I got started in real estate for the first eight years, I rolled every dollar that I made out of investments and also brokering into investments. And so I actually live on my investments. I don't need to be busy with this, but I love it. And I enjoy the hunt. Like (laughs) I like getting a deal. And if I can pass that along to somebody else and they can get a deal, I want to do it. But no, my wife gets mad at me sometimes because <laughs> she's like, Why do you do all this stuff? <laughs> like, oh, I, like it. I like it. So, but no, I, I really love being in real estate. And so I love trying to find that deal. And I love getting the deal that when I tell somebody about it, they're like, What?
1: <laughs> 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 How did you do, Those do that? Those are the good ones. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that. I think it's kind of fun to have a different perspective here on the podcast, because most of the time, Ron and I are talking about the ideas of how to have better property managers or how to be a better owner of rental properties or a better investor or you know things to know. But I think sometimes it's fun to look at the flip side of our core business, RP P Capital. We say that through service, we build people. And one thing I love about coming and meeting people that we work with is is seeing the impact, right? The impact of the business we do on a day-to-day basis and the amount of lives that are impacted and built for that matter. Mm -hmm. Right. And building people is so much bigger than helping people. That was a conversation I had this week. Like it's opportunities, it's changing generations and watching for growth of your kids and Mm -hmm. your children's children. And you know, it's, it's inspiring. It's exciting.
0: Absolutely. And like when I got started in real estate and I still do anything that I get involved in, I always think like, okay, who is the most successful person I know in that maybe area of real estate? And I go look at those people that I know that, you know, are worth crazy money, or maybe it's, you know, mini storages, or maybe it's, uh, you know, strip centers or office buildings, you know, whatever it might be. I know people in those industries, and I try to model what I'm doing. Like, mm-hmm. and then a lot of times i go talk to them like, hey, what would you do in this situation if this was your deal? And so yeah, I agree with you. It's all about building up enough wealth to be able to transfer that over to your kids, because I think the world's changing. And I think the more that we can own in these hard assets and things, the better. I I definitely want for that for my family.
1: Yeah. And the opportunity that you have to give and make an impact in the world while we are alive and then impact future generations. It's what gets me going on Monday mornings and excited to go out and make a difference and an impact. So thank you for sharing your story and for driving me around all over the place today and just love that you guys got to meet Quentin today. So thanks for joining us. Remember you guys, the impact that you make in the world and the impact that you can make today or this week or this month and go out and make something happen.
0: This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes,
1: go to getrealestatesuccess.com.